Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am Marsha Van Weinsberg. I am a speaker, a coach, and a published author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will share tips, tools, and strategies used by our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in their lives. I am on a mission to educate, empower, and inspire you to see that when you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive right in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. Before we jump into the call today, I wanted to share something with you. We are launching a brand new program in the beginning of February, only a couple weeks away, and it is called Building My Lemonade Stand. And that might sound like a really different title of a program, but what we're doing is over the next four months, we are connecting with a group of women. We have 10 spots total. We have four taken already, so it definitely is opening up and filling up, which is awesome. We've been doing calls from people from all over the world, and the reason why people are resonating with this title is the fact that we all have the opportunity to build a lemonade stand. A lemonade stand is where we take our story and we truly share the lessons that we learned on the journey to impact others. And it might be through coaching, speaking, or writing, or all of the above. So what we're doing is we're working with these women in really closely over the next four months to help them launch their business and get it off the ground by sharing their story. And it is just so exciting to see these women step into this role and use their story to impact others. So if this sounds like something that you are wondering, like maybe this is for me, or I'm interested please click the link in the show notes and you can schedule a time to connect with me and we can chat and see if it is a good fit for you. Or you can reach out to me at Marsha at MarshaVanW.com. This is going to be an incredible opportunity to work together, link arms, collaborate together, and I can help you with the lessons that I have learned on how to get a difficult message out into the world, and along the way, just watch the people that it can impact. It is just such a beautiful thing, so I would love to have you join me on this journey. If it speaks to you, click the link, and we will definitely connect. Connect. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. Today, I have somebody that I've known for a long time who I am bringing her on as a podcast guest. She is from the same town that I'm from, and her name is Kelly Spencer. She's a certified life coach, author, certified yoga and meditation teacher, mindfulness specialist, and ex-registered nurse. So she's got a huge wealth of background and information and knowledge that she is here to share with us today. So I am so happy to have you here, Kelly. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me. Thank You're, you. You are welcome. You are welcome. So I have, I do start with a few key questions just because so that people can get to know you a little bit better. Um, where did you grow up? <laughs> When I ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, originally in Kitchener-Waterloo area. Really? I didn't um, know that. That's where we, yeah, we came here about, when I was about 10 years old, my father got a job at the hospital here in Tilsonburg, and that's when we moved to Tilsonburg, Ontario. Okay, that's really funny because we actually moved there when I was about 10. We're from Chatham. 
So we actually moved, yeah, we moved to, well, we moved to Stratfordville. So that's even smaller for people who don't know, but we moved there when I was about 10. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's funny. Isn't that Oh, I know. I know. So for those of you who don't know, we, I like to joke, Brad, my husband always jokes that, um, Tilsenburg is like the center of the universe because everywhere you go, somebody knows somebody from Tilsenburg. It's like, it's, what is it? 14,000 people or 15,000 people tops. And we always come across somebody who knows somebody from Tilsenburg. So we always joke that it's the center of the universe. Totally. <laughs> so the six degrees of separation. It's huge. I know it's such a small, small <laughs> area, but everybody knows everybody. And um, so anyways, it's just, it's just interesting. Tell us what is your favorite book or a book that's made an impact in your life? Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a toughie. Cause there's just so many, um, the one, one of the first ones I ever read that really got me thinking, um, you know, with a nursing background, it was very um, logical, health mm-hmm. thoughts and decisions in my life. And the first one that really got me thinking outside of the box was um, 10 Secrets Every Woman Should Know by Barbara oh. DeAngelis, I think it was. Oh, I saw her uh, speaking at an event. She was outstanding. Okay. So 10 secrets. Yeah. The the 10 secrets about life that every woman should know. I think that's what it's called. Okay. And I remember reading it and just going like mind blown, like with each each chapter. Yeah. Yeah, Um, for sure. That one was a big impact for me. And then now my go-to one, which, you know, started impacting me many years, even before I opened a wellness center, um, was uh, Louise Hay, You Can Heal Your Life. It, it, and that's a bit mind-blowing when you really start to dig in. Um, I have a Louise Hay book, um, the You Can Heal Your Life. And sometimes when something's a little off or I'm not sure, I use that as a reference and I go back to it. And I'm like, hmm, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. It's an interesting yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a very interesting book. Um, your favorite mentor who, or who, someone who has made a big impact in your life? Uh, my Auntie Bev, and still to this day is. She's about 85, 86. Okay. Um, up until last year, uh, volunteered full-time wow. at Addiction Recovery Center. Mm-hmm. Um, after she retired from her regular job, which was opening and founding Westover Treatment Center and one of the first um, family codependent programs in Ontario. And she is my godmother, and um, I'm not a super religious person. Well, I'm not religious at all, but I am a very spiritual person, mm-hmm. and she has been my spiritual guide since I was little. And to this day, we still get together and have these talks about life and Mm -hmm. um, definitely has guided me in a way that has made me who I am today, for sure. That's beautiful because having somebody who has a background with addiction centers, founding a codependency and, and dealing with that is is very interesting dynamics we just i just finished with a coaching session we were talking about codependency and it's very interesting i'm sure you have some um thoughts on codependency 
Do you have some, do you have any thoughts or anything? What if somebody says, what is codependency? What do you know what that is? And what's your perception of what that is? Um, yeah, like <laughs> I remember years ago, um, going through a difficult situation with somebody and this was my first like aha moment of codependency. And, um, this person had called me 12 times that day in a very negative, hostile way. Right. And, um, I was telling my aunt about it and I was saying like, they've called 12 times today. And each time I say, you quit calling me. And she said to me, so who's crazier? The person that calls 12 times or the person that picks up 12 times? The one that answers. I was just going to say the one that answers. That's right. Yeah. And so that was my first like moment of what? Like, Oh gosh. So I actually did a one week, like live in intensive codependent program where I stayed there, wow. slept there, ate there. And, um, yeah, I've got, I've got a fair amount of experience with it in my own life. And what it's helped me to do is to develop emotional intelligence, um, so that I'm not off kilter by everyone else's off kilter, or I'm not moved off my alignment when someone else has moved off of their alignment. It's way easier to say that than it is to live it. Oh, um, and it's definitely, it's definitely been a practice for me, but still to this day. And what it, one of the biggest things that helped me to do was empower my kids because there was a time when my kids were going through um, some trauma and challenge in mm -hmm. their lives. And every time they unraveled and cried and, you know, raised their fist at the universe, I was laying beside them crying and unraveling and raising my fist at the universe and fighting their fight for them. Right. And then when I realized that I am not doing them a service from, from this place that I was in and I kind of, um, I started to practice more about being a parent from a place of alignment and, and keeping my place of alignment. Um, I was able to stay calm and not cry with them and say, you know, I can see you're hurting and validate them and then ask them, how do you want to move from here? What can I do to assist you or what can you do to assist yourself? Mm -hmm. so that you feel like you're more empowered or find more ease in this moment or whatever it was. And it was one of those like night and day changes with the reaction of the outcome when I changed my reaction to it. See this, that is, that was not at all the intention of where I thought we'd go with this, but it's very powerful because I do think that people, um, we practice codependency in a lot of different areas in our life. A lot of time people assume it is related to addictions. That's a piece of it, but it, I mean, it is something that we practice probably subconsciously in so many areas of our lives. Oh, absolutely. I see this a lot in my life coaching as well, where they're just, um, their happiness depends on someone else's happiness. Right. And which is very disempowering because we don't ultimately have any control over anybody else or anything external. So mm -hmm. really, whenever we're placing our happiness or contentment um, of our life on anything external, mm -hmm. um, whether it's people or situations, coworkers, um, whatever area, whenever we're doing that, all of a sudden we've, we've given a little piece of our power away. And um, if we depend on the 
controlling or manipulating or the happiness of anything external from us, well, then um, we're, we can be pretty shit out of luck if, if they change you know, their outcome yeah. and it doesn't suit our needs. All of a sudden we're unhappy. But when we can practice keeping you know, ourselves separate, Mm-hmm. Um, our own health and happiness and, and uh, in alignment, then, then it's much more serving for all relationships, mm-hmm. uh, not just uh, those that include addictions. I, yeah, no, I think that is incredibly powerful. And I don't think that, I think you said it with the nail on the head, is that it's about giving our power away. And many times clients will say, well, I don't have any power. I'm like, you do, you gave it away. Like you do have it, you just gave it away. You just have to know how to take it back. And if we all live in a codependent state, then no one has power and which means no one, and they're not power, you know what I mean? Control, but no one has the ability to create change in their life because all of us are seeing ourselves as victims having no power. We all have it. We're just like, we're just not using it. We're giving it up. Absolutely. And, and with, with any scenario, like even with more people talking about mental health diseases um, out there, um, like it's hard to imagine that the only way we're happy is if everybody else is happy. And, um, you know, one of the things I like when I work with um, couples or, um, or, uh, or intimate relationships that could be like family or siblings. Um, I think it's a Jim Rohn quote that um, I will work on my happiness for you and you work on your happiness for me rather than I'll do whatever it takes to make you happy. I'm just going to work on being happy. Mm -hmm. And I always imagine this, like, can you imagine if each one of us took care to take care of ourselves like body mind spirit mentally emotionally physically if we took care of ourselves and then just let that ripple effect go out to everybody else it would be huge shifts huge i think that is such a powerful comment there in the fact that yes that would be a massive ripple effect of each of us taking like full radical ownership for ourselves um it is perceived as being very selfish Right. There are some, there are many people who perceive that as being selfish. I was finding interesting. I do get comments regularly from some people. Um, I used to fight it like crazy trying to convince them. Now I just kind of smile and go, okay. Like, cause I know where it's coming from. Uh, Right. It's not my job to convince them. It's not my job to sell it to them, but we, it's, it's understanding that when we have that power, we can create whatever change we want in our lives. And then one example I used to use with when my kids were younger is the fact that, you know, we can't both own the choices. If we both try and own the choices, then we're both, we can't both take responsibility for the consequences. And if we don't are responsible for the consequences of our choices, then no change happens. We both can't own it at the same time. And so then we just end up in this, and this right. is a codependent circle that keeps happening for some people is they're in this state over and over and over. They don't even know how to create change there because they're waiting for the next person to create that change. And it's really, it's a really interesting dynamic. Um, and I see it a lot. I guess, I think you just really helped me realize how I've seen it so much in the addiction circle, how much it's a fact of everyday life for a lot of people. Oh, for sure. For sure. And in the self-care piece, like, you know, you're right. You can't talk some people into it. A lot of, um, a lot of us maybe learned it from 
uh, parent that played the murder role or um, we learned it just by um, the way we were in a situation. Um, my my one book, Manduki Rising, um, Manduki is frog energy. And I remember going to a therapist and saying, like, how did I end up here? Um, how did this even happen? Mm -hmm. And sometimes, um, and she explained it perfectly, sometimes it just happens so slow and so insidiously that we're not even aware. We just start learning to walk on eggshells or try this to keep somebody happy or try this to keep them happy. And, um, you know, the next thing you know, we're, we're in the boiling water. And mm -hmm. she used the analogy when I said, how did I get here of, if you take a frog and put them in a pot of boiling water, they're going to jump out. Right. So if, if we had show, been shown the end result of any relationship, whether addiction is involved or not, or mental health or whatever, mm -hmm. we might not have stayed. We might have gone, oh gosh, this is boiling. I'm out of here. But if you put the frog in the water and then turn the heat up and let it come to a slow boil, the frog will stay there and eventually boil. Mm -hmm. And so that idea of, um, you know, we learned it and, and then sometimes we just don't know until we know where we've arrived that this isn't healthy anymore. And then I always use the analogy of the airplane. I know it, it gets used a lot, but it, there's a reason why, you know, when they say when the mass drops, put your oxygen on, your life force, this will keep you alive, and then run around and help everybody else if you want. Um, but if you run around helping everyone else, making sure everybody else is happy and healthy, you're going to get exhausted, you're going to collapse, you're going to run out of breath, you're going to run out of life. And I know it's a cliche, um, you know, metaphor, but it, it's so accurate. It's so accurate. So that's actually great leading with that question then. And as a life coach and as a mindfulness expert that you work with people, how do, I'm sure you meet some resistance from, I'm going to say moms for a second, sorry, but moms who are saying, you don't understand, my kids are so little and this is this is they require that like that's what happens but then i see parents still doing that as the kids age and grow older and you know somebody had said to me just recently they were they didn't know what to do when their 15 year old is screaming at them to cook dinner and i'm like what do you mean you don't know what to do and she says well he screams <laughs> at me to cook dinner and i get frustrated and so I said, well, what do you do next? And she said, I cook dinner. I'm like, are you, are you crazy? Like <laughs> you're reinforcing <laughs> like you. So it's hard because sometimes we're so frustrated with the situation that we have, but we don't even realize we are a big part of creating it. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. And, and, um, yeah, I, I have the I have the same reaction. Um, it's interesting because I'm I'm dating somebody younger, and mm -hmm. uh, his kids are younger. So I'm watching. Like my kids are in university now, so I'm watching this um, from a younger age all over again, again, but with a whole brand new mindset. Right. And um, those same sort of situations where my eyes bug out and my mouth drops, and I'm like, Are, are you gonna let? are you going to let them talk to you that way? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so as I say to him or whether it's life coaching clients or whatever, um, 
we teach people how to treat us and and are you really sure that's the way you want to teach your child how to treat people including the one that's making his meal <laughs> um and, and like it just doesn't even make sense no but, but it's what we they get, know we get right we get wrapped up in the people pleasing and not wanting yeah. to hurt anybody. And um, I think that sometimes even in the wellness world, we get caught up in that, you know, rainbows and kittens and everything's peace and love and all that stuff's fine and dandy, but so is respect and yes. um, mutual energy exchange where I do this and you do that. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and consequences for behaviors, mm -hmm. um, you know, as, as I say to my boyfriend or to any, anybody in this situation, what's going to happen when they talk to somebody like that at school? Like how many friendships do you think they're going to maintain? A boss, and, and, a principal, like it's just not going to work, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there has to be that, um, you know, boundary setting and, and consequences for actions. And that's not an easy one. When we love our kids, like I have a, a cousin that kicked out his uh, teenage daughter because she had gotten um, really deep into the drug scene and he kicked yeah. her out. And, and this was maybe about 10 years ago. And I was like, yeah, but what if it gets worse? Or what if you, they need you or what? And, and, you know, this was like many years ago and I don't even know how I'd react until you're in that situation. Right. But what it did was show her consequences for behavior that certain behaviors were unacceptable and to take responsibility for her role in her life. Mm -hmm. And, um, it changed her life. This woman is now like this was, like I said, was many years ago has gone now through to be a, a psychologist oh in addiction gosh. and is working in the field. And, oh my gosh. you know, who knows what would have happened if they had a, you know, just rubbed their forehead and said, Oh, poor little bunny. What can I, you know, how can I make your world easier rather than what are you going to do to make your world easier? Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. I think that's wonderful that you share that story because um, whether it comes to something that is that difficult or something that isn't as difficult, but you know, related to behavior, respect, choices, consequences, that we're all here to learn. And we, we are like, we are responsible for teaching kids. I mean, I always say they're, I've said this since before I even had kids, they weren't mine to keep. They're not mine to keep. They're mine to be able to, to release so they can function in the world. Right. So if you're going right. to do something that, you know, only you would do that the rest of the world would not do, then that doesn't help them when they are out trying to live and function on their own. Yeah. Right. We're raising them to be adults, not sure. to be children and adults. And, no. and like, you know, I always used to joke to my kids that, well, you can learn this lesson now on your own, or um, you can deal with it in your 30s and go to therapy like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's awesome. I like that you show that human side to it. I think that's so important. I do. I think it's so important. Right. Well, yeah. and, and honestly, it's ongoing. It's ongoing. My, my kids are adult kids now in the sense that they're in school and, and I'll still do that check-in. Like, how are your marks? Are you studying? You should try meditation. You should try this. And, and then I literally have to let go of the outcome. I can't depend on the outcome 
for my happiness. I can give them the tools and then you let go. And that's one of my favorite sayings is high intention, low attachment. So you set the highest intention from the greatest good from your heart for the greatest outcome for all involved. And then you let go of the outcome and you keep on living your life, staying in your alignment and doing what you feel you need to do to keep that joy and happiness and success going. Okay. That is so powerful. I want people to understand how powerful that quote, I don't know if I've heard that before, but how powerful that quote is. I really work with a lot of setting intentions for the week and setting intentions for the day, for the, for the, for the quarter, for the year. And it's not a to-do list. It's like an intention list of what I want to create. So intention is very good, but I love the low attachment. That's the thing that I don't, um, you know, it's many times I'll say to clients is, is that, you have these expectations for somebody else that are so ridiculously high that, and they've never achieved them, right? Like they've never, they've never even come close to them. Yet you keep putting those attachments right up here, those expectations right up here and you're attached to how well they do. So if they hit the same level that they've always hit and never hit the expectations that you have for them and you're attached to how poorly they're doing like is it really their fault or is it ours like it so this is a thing right is it's taking ownership again but being able to can you talk a little bit about like watching what we set for expectations and then the attachment piece that the attachment piece is huge yeah for sure i um so I write a weekly column called Happy Healthy You, and I actually just sent it into the editor last night, this week's column on destination addiction, mm-hmm. um, meaning um, we're always so caught up on those intentions, those goals, those visions, but if we're so focused on them and them having to happen to feel contentment or happiness, Mm -hmm. then we're losing out big time. We're losing out on the present moment. And it's in this moment where we can feel the joy and the appreciations, even if we have warts and all. Like, let's say, um, and this is just a little example. Let's say we want to lose 10 pounds and that's an intention for ourselves to eat healthier, do, 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 do. But where does the intention stem from? Mm -hmm. If it's because we can't stand who we are in this moment and we'll be happier when we get to that new destination, then we're setting ourselves up for failure. There's nothing wrong with going, you know what, my body is healthy and it's happy and I probably would feel a little bit better if I lost 10 pounds, but I appreciate all that it can do right now. And that feeling of... um, contentment. In in yoga philosophy, um, the word is santosha. It's an ancient Sanskrit word meaning contentment. And really, it's about honoring ourselves where we are in this moment as we grow and change. And it's from that place of appreciation, I believe, that we make things happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Not from the place of, this kind of sucks where I'm at right now and I want to get to there. Does that make sense? A lot. Yeah, a lot. I think that I love how you said that it comes really come boils down to what is the intention you're setting to start that space. And I mean, it's I, I see people because I still work in the healthcare field in with a lot of clients during the week. For some people, like they you watch them come in and grab a scale. I hate the scale. I don't even own one. 
but I see them come in and grab a scale and mm -hmm. they get on that scale and their entire demeanor changes in a split second if that scale does not say what they want it to say. Like everything changes. They're angry, they're pissed right. off because that number is not what they want. And I'm like, that that little metal piece just dictated what your entire day went like. And let's just be, like I had a client. Who, and re, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and, and there we have another form of codependency. Exactly. Our happiness depends on something external. Yeah. If we're, that we're, number is what we yeah. want, then we're happy. If it's not what we want, then we're not happy. And it's really depressing in a sense because and, and I also see people not, um, like I've seen people be so angry at the scale and say, this is not fair. I don't know why it's gone up. 10 pounds in a week, seriously, where people say, I don't know why. And I will just look and say, can you honestly look at me and tell me you don't know why it's gone up 10 pounds a week? Because maybe that's a problem. Like maybe there's a medical problem. I always know the answer. But it's, <laughs> can you tell me why? And they're like, no, I know why. Right. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so can we just like put those expectations <laughs> in perspective? You ate like crap over Christmas. You had a great Christmas. It's done. Like let it go. But stop letting that define how you see yourself, right? And if you want to feel better and exercise, like do it from that space, not from punishing yourself. Right. And, and that whole idea of, you know, eat the cookie and freaking love the heck out of it, but don't eat the cookie and hate yourself for it. No, it's just the cookie's not worth it. Like, <laughs> it's not yeah. You know what? So this is so interesting because yeah. it's not where we were going to go with this, but it is interesting from the standpoint that you should love what you do. So I had a client who said, you know, like I, we trying to find a way to cut calories and I'm not a big calorie counter, but I'm just trying to help her to figure out where she, where she was. And they went out for lunch every day for work and they would eat French fries every single day. I said, can I ask you a weird question? Do you like French fries? And she was like, no. And I'm like, so you're wasting like a thousand calories dancing you don't even like? Like, how do you think psychologically that goes through your head, right? If you're doing things that you don't even like, talk about self-sabotaging and beating yourself up. So these are really interesting. Yes, we're, we're tying it to weight loss and scales and all those things, but you can see how this is a, is a big factor in mindfulness and how we think about ourselves and what we do. So I just kind of want to take that into a little bit like, and your backstory. So you are, were a registered nurse for many years and now you're this like mindfulness coach and yoga studio and life coach. And so tell us about that transition. Cause that's, those are, that's a very different environment. Yeah, totally. Totally. And to be quite honest, I love anything that bridges the two together. Like the, the it appeases yeah. both sides of my brain when I can find any kind of research paper on both. Um, <laughs> So when I was uh, nursing, uh, um, I was sick. I was sick a lot, okay. um, like very atypical diseases for my age and my health. Um, uh, for instance, I had gallbladder disease. I didn't have gallstones, but in my early 30s, I had oh, gallbladder wow. disease. As a nurse, gallbladder disease was often um, 
known for over 40 female, fair skinned and fat. They called it the four Fs, maybe not the nicest term, but yeah. that's, you know, in nursing what they called it. And I was, the only thing I had at that point in my life, in my thirties was that I was female and it was very atypical. And then I started noticing like, you know, I'd end up with uh, lung uh, problems, pneumonia or, or heart rate issues. And then I remember feeling depressed and my doctor gave me some antidepressants and I'm like, maybe I should talk to somebody. He's like, ah, oh, you don't need that stuff. Just take the pills. You'll be fine. And um, then I just, uh, there was a girl at work that started dabbling in um, more holistic health mm -hmm. and it just resonated with me. And I started to realize that not all of my patients as a nurse really cared if I was there or not. Mm -hmm. And they definitely didn't want to make changes, like kind of like your French fry friend. Um, you know, <laughs> they've got this high blood pressure, this cancer, this, 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 and they don't want to change anything. They don't want to take responsibility or accountability for their choice. And they just wanted me to fix it, give them a mm -hmm. pill or change the diabetic ulcer dressing or whatever. And, and I, I, even in my own life, I'm like, something is not jiving here. Out of alignment. And, um, yeah. And yeah. so I went off to the antidepressants. I wasn't on them long. Um, this is going back many years. I don't know if you remember Phil Hartman off of Saturday Night Live. Yes, I do. Anyways, his wife was on the same antidepressant that my doctor prescribed to me and she ended up has one of the side effects. Oh this isn't gosh. funny, but it is a little bit. One of the side effects of antidepressants is suicidal thoughts. I know. I know. And so here this poor woman is suffering. They've given her medication and she ends up killing Phil Hartman and killing herself. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm going off of these meds. I went to a therapist. I started crying immediately after five words came out of my mouth, how unhappy I was. And then I started to put it all together, how emotional and physical and spiritual health um, is all interconnected. And I started to notice it as a nurse when we had, um, you know, people that were in chronic pain develop um, anxiety and depression. Or um, I remember one woman came in and she had um, severe abdominal pain. And you could tell by looking at her, she wasn't faking. She had severe yeah. abdominal pain. And they did, and she couldn't walk. That was the other thing. Wow. Um, and she was addicted to morphine because of this pain. And they did every book, under, um, uh, test under the sun, every x-ray, MRI, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and couldn't find a physical thing wrong with this woman. And so finally they sent in a psych team. As it turned out, she had been sexually abused when she was age five to eight and never told a single person. Wow. And she was crippled and yeah. in so much emotional pain, it manifested in physical um, yeah. uh, manifestation. And so I started looking more at this more and more and more and more. And then um, I is part of my own self care, I started taking yoga. And um, what I noticed through mindfulness in my own life is, huh, I'm not getting sick as often. I'm acknowledging when I'm feeling not right physically, emotionally, spiritually, and then I'm acting on it and doing something about it and staying present to it. And literally, I think my daughter, it was a few years ago, uh, said to me, how come we don't have a family doctor? And I said, well, we do. We just haven't needed to use them in many years. And I think it had been um, 
10 years since uh, we had been to a, a, a family doctor. And I, I like, it's not like I don't get colds or you know, the flu or whatever, but I start listening to myself more. And, and then I just started to notice this powerful connection between mindfulness and everything. <laughs> I know that's pretty uh, vague, but like everything, whether it was personal success or uh, psychological health or interpersonal relationships or business success, I just started to see how mindfulness was playing such a huge part in every area of our life. Mm -hmm. um, we get so caught up on autopilot, that we just Constantly. go, 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 that we, we are not paying attention to our own personal GPSs, our own personal guidance system, our wisdom, uh, the wisdom within ourselves inside of our holistic health being is so intelligent. And I think if we all just stopped and took some deep breaths and asked ourselves, how do I feel in this moment? What does this moment ask of me? What do I need to say to this person? Blah, 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 and so on and so on. That it would, it would dramatically shift everybody's life. Mm -hmm. I, I, a I, lot, I know. <laughs> no, 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 it's good. No, it's great. It's great information. And I think that this is a big thing is that the fact that I've had people say, but I don't, you have a really strong intuition and I don't. I'm like, do you ask it what you want it to do? Do you ask yourself yeah. if you want to do it or not? Do you listen? Do you respond? Do you respect the answers? Um, how many times do we say yes for something and instantly it's like, God, why did I do that? Like I just, those are the cues that we learn. Yeah. From. You know what? I didn't do that for me. I did it because of my people pleasing skills or because or my people pleasing needs or because I wasn't confident enough in my own um, wishes. Those are all like, that's all part of it. And the intuition can get stronger and stronger when we listen to it and we practice using it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And then it really, it's quite empowering because so often people are um, blaming the external mm -hmm. um, like, or comparing the external to themselves as the reason why, like, well, your intuition's strong or, you know, mm -hmm. I, I get this a lot as a yoga teacher, but you're flexible. <laughs> you you got to get there somehow. <laughs> um, not doing yoga or not practicing uh, mindful and intuitive skills because it's not there already. It's like saying, I'm not going to come to the dinner table because I'm hungry. Right. That's why you would practice those things. And it, it, your intuition is just like, you know, as far as I'm concerned, a quad muscle. If you want to strengthen, um, your quad muscle or, or increase flexibility in your quad muscle, you're going to do stuff to get there. Yeah. Um, and it's the same with your intu intuition. It's, it's like a muscle that we can work and um, play with and learn how we can develop a stronger intuitive sense in ourselves. We all have that ability. Mm -hmm. We all have it. We just don't, we barely scratch the surface of using it. So, Absolutely. Oh, it's so true. So tell us a little bit about the studio that you run. It is very multi-dimensional. I do have to say from what I've seen. I love it. I love it there. But tell us a little bit about what you offer, what you do, and where you see things going with it, or we'd like to see things going with it. Um, it, it really has been a, um, 
a from the heart and a trusting um, of that guidance that we were just talking about. Um, I, as I said, and as you said, I was a registered nurse for like 20 years or something. And then I started doing things differently for me. So I started doing yoga. I started meditating. I started going to holistic healers rather than uh, physicians and um, less invasive or less pills and, and, and that sort of thing. And what I started to notice was this huge difference. And then I, I was meditating once and I was like, you should be a yoga teacher and then you should get be a certified life coach and it just kind of um became so it started out that um, i had a small part of this building and i had a yoga studio and we did meditation and some fitness classes um we had naturopathic doctor and um some energy healing and then and then it just, uh, the more I loved it and the more people loved it, the more I grew it. And now um, we have the whole building, mm-hmm. um, which is an old labyrinth of a building. And we have chiropractic, acupuncture, osteopathy, um, social work, life coaching, massage wow. therapy, energy healing. Um, like, uh, like it just kind of goes on and on. And then that whole holistic uh, diagram of ourselves, that whole body, mind, spirit, um, I was like, I need to bring all of it here. So this is like the true essence of a holistic healthcare facility. So I opened an organic uh, eatery Mm -hmm. um, that has options for people that are gluten-free, dairy-free, vegan, vegetarian, or meat eaters and want organic sustainable sources. So we started working with community farmers to get a local organic product in. Um, and then we brought in more spiritual work. So we have mediums, etc. And then it just wasn't enough. I wanted to get even beyond the walls of this building. And so I started doing corporate life coaching and school um, life coaching, like guest speaking events, um, teaching. Um, and, and obviously it's different wording if I'm teaching a yoga class than when I'm teaching, um, you know, pardon the term, a bunch of suits. But it, yes. <laughs> like, yes. it just is different terminology and a different approach. But the fact is, is when it all comes down to it, um, mindfulness um, is a huge part of business success now. And thankfully, there was um, a doctor, a psychologist that did a huge paper, and there's thousands of papers on it, but this woman was from Harvard, and she did the studies on the MRI of the brain and the effects on um, mindfulness had on the brain. And um, how it opened up our cognitive ability and our our ability to focus and have more clarity of what we want in our life and to be able to go after it and to have better interpersonal relationships. And, and there's like the benefits just go on and on and on. And so that's, that's where it is now. And then it even got like, well, what if I can't get to those businesses? I want to expand beyond that. And so I wrote some books on it. That's where I was going um, next. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I started, I I wrote a book of my own journey of how I kind of went from my own spiritual rock bottom um, to, it's definitely not to where I am now, but um, some of the the tools that uh, um, the universe gave to me to help um, 
find my way out from that darkness. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, the other two books are, well, there's three, but two I wrote on my own are uh, Destiny, Life and Self-Leadership and Our Unlimited Possibilities are all those mindfulness um, tools that bridge the science to the metaphysical. Um, mm -hmm. For instance, um, Dr. Uh, uh, Emoto, Dr. Emoto, he's a Japanese yes. scientist yes. who did the studies on the water crystals and how, you know, our energy, um, our mood, um, our thoughts and feelings are directly um, impacting water. And, and then, you know, as a nurse, and I think most people know it, you don't need to be a nurse, we're made of water. We've got so much water in us, it's not funny. And, and so I started to... Um, pulled together all of this for the, this book of, you know, all the different ways that we can uh, create this life that we all want. And then the other book is a 28 day mindfulness journal, um, where you can, um, you know, really get clear on what it is you want in your life and how important it is for you. And, and I put those two as two different questions because, um, you know, you hear people say, you know, I'm using this example, but there's lots of examples. I'll just stay with this. I want to lose 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. um, but then they're, you know, eating French fries every day for lunch. Right. And um, then, then you have to ask yourself, well, is it really that important to you? Because your decisions you're making aren't really indicative of that. So that book kind of gets, uh, it's honest and, and real and gets you clear on what's going on in your world and developing goals um, from there. And then the other book, I wrote a chapter on mindful eating and a book called On Her Plate. Um, yes, I saw Foundation. that. And it's, um, it, it, the whole book is um, more on women's health. Um, and then there's a section on mindfulness. And, and, and for that, that isn't just about, um, you know, the carbs and the proteins going into our mouth, but where we're getting it from, where is it being sourced from? Mm -hmm. um, and and um, taking it even to that level of, you know, is it good for our hormones? Is it good for our, our minds? Is it good for our environment? And uh, so that was a fun project to be a part of as well. I think the one, I mean, I do have to say, I think the one thing that you can, anyone can take away from what you're saying right now, you went from nursing where it was not um, as in alignment with you as what this obviously is and not feeling well, health being a challenge, not feeling like you're hitting your, um, the, everything you're capable of doing. And then you sidestep to create what you've created now and you're in so much more alignment. And I mean, if you just, what you've accomplished in the last, like what most of that has been, I know the business started, um, what year did the business start? 20, what did you say? 2011. 2011. But so yeah. what you just described, I know has been in the last like two years, two to three years. Yeah. Yeah. So do you yeah. see what happens? I hope everyone can take from that, that when you get into alignment, honestly, I have, I, I say this all the time. When you get into alignment, you almost can't always stay caught up with the opportunities that come because you are in that space and you see them when you're not in that space of alignment, you even miss the opportunities. You don't see them. They're right there. It's like right beside you, but you're not looking because you're not in alignment. But when you are, you're a great example that when you're yeah. in alignment, look at all that you've accomplished in just that short time. It's, a, it's unbelievable. It really is. Yeah. It, it's pretty powerful stuff to be quite honest. Like, and I know like I, like when I kind of step back and look at, observe 
my life from a, an outside kind of viewing. It's just that. And, and, and I find that the more you stay in your alignment, in your energy flow, and it comes from that place of love and appreciation and the intentions are um, from that place of alignment and not from a place of fog, fear, obligation, and guilt, yeah. then big things happen. And some days I feel like I'm running beside my dreams trying to keep up with them. <laughs> that's awesome. I hope everyone can take that away from this because that's such a, I, that I wholeheartedly believe that, but I really like, it's just, when you are in alignment, you are using your gifts, you are creating opportunities, opportunities are coming to you, sometimes you can't keep up with them, and it allows you to live at your highest self, which actually creates even the biggest impact in other people and helps them on their journey. So it's a win-win all the way around, but it's getting to that space. And once you start to live in that alignment, it becomes so clear what that alignment is and learning how to say no to something. So as a, if, as a listener, if you're listening, that when you say, somebody asks you a question and you say, well, I'll get back to you, but you know the second you say that, that you're like, I don't wanna do that. Like that is out of alignment. So it's learning how to listen to those cues if it's, I always say, and this comes from other coaches, right? If it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Like it's just a no. And you don't have to apologize for the no's. You don't have to, <laughs> have to be rude, right? You don't have to apologize. <clears throat> but staying so true to you will open your life in ways you could have never imagined. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so many people will do the... Um, maybe to be polite, maybe to be a people pleaser. Oh, maybe. Um, but what I have found is that people that do that carry this kind of anxiety with them about, oh, I got to deal with that. I got to get back to them. Rather than just saying, I don't know, or um, yes, like that hell yes, or yeah. that I don't feel like it uh, that might happen but I can let you know if I change my mind yeah. um, there's something uh, something so much more powerful about just speaking your truth and again not apologizing for it you're not being rude but not apologizing for it just being honest right being honest so I hope that people take yeah. that away because I think that is just a huge takeaway from what you're saying and I just amazing at how much you created by staying in alignment and how much more I know you're going to create by staying in alignment. Um, I didn't I don't even know if I said well, that and yeah. I know the name of it. What is the name of your studio and where is it located? Like I know it's in Tulsamer, but with the name of it? Right, right. <laughs> Indigo Lounge Wellness Center. And okay. it's uh, on Tilson Ave and Tilsmer, 264 Tilson Ave. Awesome. And how is the best way for people to find you, reach out to you, connect to you? What is the best way? Um, well, uh, email Kelly at indigo lounge.ca. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm on Instagram. Um, and it's, you just, just changed, changed your name. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that. Do you remember uh, what it is? Mindfulness. <laughs> something, and I can put it in the notes, but it was mindfulness. I saw you change. Mindful. Mindful empowered living. Mindful dot empowered dot living. Yeah. yeah. And then um, I have Facebook, Indigo Lounge Wellness. Perfect. As well as uh, my own page, Kelly Spencer. Um, and then I have an author page too on Facebook, um, Kelly uh, M. Spencer. 
That's awesome. That's a lot of stuff on the go, but I so admire you for staying in that wheelhouse and creating, continuing to cre continuing to create. Um, couple quick questions to wrap up. What lights you up yep. the most? Hmm. Um, huh. um, a couple things when I see my kids feeling joy, mm -hmm. um, I've said since the day they were born that they um, changed the way I see the world. They changed all of my reactions and all of my intentions are kind of through the eyes of my kids. And so yes. when I see them in joy, um, there's nothing better than that. When I see them in their alignment and doing their thing just right. Um, and really for anybody, when you see somebody doing that, but uh, definitely more my kids. Um, and when, um, and, and I don't mean it from an ego place, like yeah. well done Kelly, but if I get a message from somebody or if I'm, I've, I've done a workshop or, or a guest speaking event or, or even a yoga retreat and I get feedback, that um, it helped to shift somebody more into their alignment or to be more mindful about the way they're living. That's, um, that's my passion and purpose for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I mean, I just, I have no doubt you'll keep living in that. Yeah, you will have no doubt you'll keep living in that. Um, two quick questions to wrap up that I want to ask. Um, what message would you go back and give your younger self? You can pick any age, you can pick any, any message, but if you could go back in time, what message would you give to your younger self? Oh, that's a <laughs> I like heavy to make it one. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Um, well, um, I, one thing I will say is because years ago I did some inner child work um, and we had to write a letter to our little selves. Yes. Um, like to little Kelly from Big Kelly. And the one thing that I said to myself that really felt like it made a difference, even though I didn't really was able to go back um, was um, that's their stuff, not yours. Mm. So as children, uh, being the center of the universe, whenever we experience, usually from our parents, you know, they, they're living their own life, have their own stresses, we can't see beyond how it affects us. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we take it on as our, as our own shite um, and feel like, you know, maybe we've caused them to be that way or whatever. And, um, definitely that would be a message was that like, that's their stuff, not yours. You didn't I love that. That's a great message. That is a great message. I always ask, like, it's like you put on your own backpack, you decide what you put in it. Like you, you know, if you put the, uh, the expectations the frustrations, the happiness of everyone else in your backpack, there's no room for your stuff and you should be carrying your own stuff and not somebody else's. So I love that message. Um, last question, what lesson in life are you most grateful for? Huh. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I've had, um, I've had some pretty challenging things happen in my life. Um, to me, my kids, there mm -hmm. was lots of dysfunction and abuse. And 
the one thing I always and would say to my kids is, um, you know, sure, we wish those things didn't happen, but they've made us who we are today. Mm -hmm. And so one lesson of life is that the lessons help us expand. They help us grow. And if we're not growing, we're stagnant or or even worse, we're dying. And so taking yeah. the things that are happening in us, our life, not as a punishment, mm -hmm. but as an opportunity and even a blessing, because I don't think in the Lounge Wellness Center or my books would be there um, if I hadn't been through what I had been through and found my way through, right. through it using the tools that now I teach. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that's awesome. I think that's a great explanation because I think that, you know, it's easy to look at the situations that life gives us sometimes and be angry, but it's, that doesn't serve anyone. And I, I was at the Rachel Hollis documentary last night called made for more, and I'm going to butcher this, but basically what she says is the fact that it doesn't mean that you know, everything happens for a reason because and we should be grateful for everything that happens to us, but you can attach meaning to it. And that meaning can make a difference in how you handle what you have in your life. And I love that because, you know, when we have had our most difficult, some of our most difficult challenges that we've had, it's really tough to look at it and go, well, I'm so grateful for that lesson. Um, it's not, it's, it's, it's hard to look at those difficult times with gratitude, but we can also look at it and attach meaning to it. And it, it has made us who we are. It makes us who we are, how we show up in the world, who we affect, who we impact, all of the things. So it is part of us. So I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so that piece of gratitude, maybe not for what happened, right. but for the lessons it taught you. I love, I right. love that. Yeah, for sure. It just makes us who we are. It makes us who we are. And we can decide if we're going to hang on to all of that with a lot of anger and resentment, or we can decide if we're going to let that be our fuel to do something more with our lives. And I choose fuel. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, you know what? It has been awesome chatting with you. Um, thank you so much for all of the insight that you have given everyone. And I will make sure that all of your information is um, in the podcast so that the people can share it and, and reach out to you for any questions that you might have. And I am just so grateful to have had this time with you today. So thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you. My first podcast, I was a virgin and now I'm experienced. <laughs> you, were, you did great for your first one. I remember doing my first one was like, oh, I don't know, but it's just a simple conversation. It's a great way for people to get to know who you are. So thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Until next time, remember, when you own your choices, you truly own your life.